in business. Oh, shit. Hectic. Do you do an intro? Yeah. Sick. Are you Jade? I'm Jade. Welcome back, everybody, to the seventh episode of the Warm Up Podcast. <laughs> I have a good friend joining me today. Um, we've known each other for number, number many years. Many years. Like almost coming up 10 years. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, crypto... Whiz kid, <laughs> host of Allegedly. the Wire pod. Is that right? Wire talks. Wire talks. Fuck. I mean, it's now defunct, but that uh, you can find it on any good podcasting platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wire talks, hosted by myself and uh, my main man Tommy Scaria. Uh, so, if you're interested in some more technical discussions about <laughs> cryptocurrency. And also some bullshitting. Um, I would uh, encourage you to go check it out because we uh, talked to a lot of the early DeFi entrepreneurs. Um, so before that was really a named thing in a space. Uh, so it's an interesting um, look at the early days, I guess, in hindsight. God damn. So that's a little sneak peek, pre- you know, sneak peek into Louis's knowledge of the whole situation. Um, if you don't know, I don't know anything about anything to do with anything. Um, so, but we want to get, so I want to learn about cryptocurrency. Okay. From you today. And also non-fungies. Yep. Non-fungies. Yeah. Yep. And All the rage. Like that, dude. Yeah. Cause it's hot right now. It is very hot. It is it's very hot, hot right now and everyone's talking about it and I want to know what. I, I was very, uh, not very surprised that you asked me about NFTs specifically. Why? But what's well, oh, like dude, a, I just heard it on like a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, you know the news around that uh, kind of collage artwork sold for like seventy million dollars or yeah, something. Yeah, what the hell? Um, which I mean, I wouldn't have paid that much for it. I'd, <laughs> you know, rather buy a Rembrandt or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a uh, Let's go from the beginning. Like, how, do you, how did you get into the world of cryptocurrency? Because you knew, you feel like you were just like an early adopter. Like, what the hell? You knew about it before anybody even heard about it. I think um, I was interested in, always been interested in technology in general. Yeah. Um, and finance, financial markets, and um, also you know, understanding the money system that we use today, the fiat money system, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And uh, I first heard about um, Bitcoin being used in a practical sense from, I was in my first year of uni, so it would have been 2012. Yeah. And uh, someone was talking to me about how they had bought, drugs off the Silk Road, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I was intrigued as to how that could work, the payment aspect, right? Because yeah. that, generally speaking, you can't use, you know, PayPal to do illegal yeah. stuff. You can't integrate PayPal into your drug market. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I sort of looked at it then, not as an investment or as a monetary asset or a digital gold or anything like that, but yeah. as like a transactional technology. And uh, I think, you know, in the, there was a bubble in um, late 2013 where the price went from 
hundred dollars to twelve hundred US in a couple of months. Yeah. And that caught my attention. I was first interested in trading it as a short, like to bet against it. Oh, not, really? Not because I had a long-term negative view about it, but just because it had gone up so much in such a short period of time that it looked like it was going to crater, and it did. Um, and then it got to sort of 2015, and I had um, just started trading it more. And uh, there was this old TeamSpeak <laughs> server called uh, Whale Club, and it was basically a bunch of Bitcoin OGs that would go on there and uh, just talk about trading. And, you know, when I first went on there, there's, there'd probably be like maybe like 20 or 30 people on. And some of them like, you know, nowadays would be worth like nine figures. Did. Very wealthy. And uh, that was sort of my first delving into the community. You know, it was like its own little weird niche community. But there are a bunch of guys on there that I subsequently met when I moved to America yes. in 2018. And then, like, I had sort of sp spoken to... We didn't really know each other, but I had yeah. spoken to them over this TeamSpeak server, like, four years earlier, yeah. three years earlier. And uh, that was kind of where I became really bullish on the technology paradigm in general, but also Bitcoin as the solution to, you know, all of the nonsense that goes on within our fiat money system. You know, just this endless printing of money and uh, injecting of liquidity in the financial system to pump up asset prices and do all these things that we... It's like the lazy solution to uh, all our the, economic problems, right, is printing money. What is the fiat um, system? Tell me the... All, dude, I don't know <laughs> anything. The fiat system is is pretty straightforward. It's basically... There's nothing backing our money. And the thing that, uh, you know, money used to be redeemable for gold. Yeah. Right? So there would be like a fixed amount of gold that you would get if you uh, took your money into a bank. You could basically get the value of that money in gold at like a fixed rate. And then it became like slowly watered down over time. The problem with having money backed by gold is you can't, create more of it without getting more gold, right? And so when you're doing things like fighting expensive wars, it becomes really difficult to maintain that backing because you want to create money to spend, money that you don't have, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like a way of financing <laughs> debt. weird, yeah, right? yeah. And so in like the, in the 70s when um, uh, the US was in Vietnam, which was a very expensive war. Yeah. Uh, they basically had to fully close the uh, redeemability of money for gold so they could just print more money to finance deficits, right? Yeah. Uh, which is exactly what is happening now. So basically, the need for banks to... Sorry, the need for governments to borrow lots of money... Um, you know, that is really what drove the shift away from uh, gold-backed money to money backed by nothing. And so now money is, is issued into the, you know, real world through banks lending it out, right? So when you, like, go and say, I want to buy this house, I want a home loan, mm. they're like, all right, you know, we're going to lend you one and a half million dollars. They just create that money out of nowhere, Right, so they don't. There's no like 
savings deposit that's come in yeah, yeah, to like finance that. Yeah. Like the reserve, that's what they call it, fractional reserve banking. You basically get $1 in, but then you lend it out five times, right? And so banks, commercial banks like, you know... It's a great way to explain CBA it. CBA or Wells Fargo in America or Barclays or whatever. They're the people who actually create money, right? Through issuing loans to people. Yeah. Um, and, but then the central banks, in, they encourage the lending of money by basically uh, putting more cash on the bank's balance sheet. So they're like, the central bank, like the RBA or the Federal Reserve, basically says to CBA or, you know, whatever commercial bank, here's $100 billion, mm -hmm. do something with it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the bank goes and tries to lend it out, right? Um, so interest rates come down, it makes money cheaper, people are encouraged to borrow it, asset prices go up. Um, so that's kind of how the fiat system works. It's created through lending. Um, so every dollar that's issued has the interest rate attached to it, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, through creating lots of money, it becomes more available. Um, sorry, from banks injecting, they call it liquidity, into when the central bank injects liquidity <laughs> into commercial banks. They're basically saying, go nuts, lend it out to everyone. Uh, that's, they think that gets the economy going, yeah. right? Um, so it's like a lazy solution to our economic problems is to encourage more lending and borrowing. Uh, yes. More money in the system sloshing around, generally speaking, means more economic activity, sort of, sometimes, right? Um, it's a flawed approach, but that's the easiest way. It's easier than, like, raising taxes and spending lots of money on infrastructure or whatever, yeah. which also gets the economy going. It's like the easy solution. So that's the fair system. It's like basically creating money out of nowhere, right? Yeah. But that in and of itself creates problems because you're effectively devaluing money yeah. by creating more of it, Yeah. right? Um, you could go way back in history to, you know, Roman emperors and shit that basically would slowly water down money. Like the coins used to have copper in them and then it becomes like half, 50% copper and 50% some worthless material. Yeah. And then it becomes 10% copper, blah, blah, blah. And they just create more and more money this way. Yeah. And in the end, you just end up with high inflation, right? Yeah. You know, uh, happened in Germany wow, after World War One. happened in Venezuela, you know, over the last decade, Zimbabwe, and to a lesser extent in like a dozen other countries, like Argentina, all these places have really high inflation. And in the, uh, you know, modern world, people say countries like the US have low inflation because the price of a can of Coke and, you know, groceries aren't going up, right? Yeah. Um, but the inflation that occurs because of all this money printing is in asset prices. So, you know, yeah. home values yeah. in Australia is an obvious one. The stock market yeah. uh, is another obvious one where basically, you know, it, technology has solved the consumer goods inflation thing. It's like it's where our technology now is so efficient that we can produce, you know, electronics and food and cars and everything much more cheaply now than we could 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And so the prices naturally come down or at least don't increase, yeah. right? And then you got people like Bezos that come in and say, you know, we're going to run a massive e-commerce retailing company. 
but we're going to make as little profit as possible, basically. Mm. And so that kind of puts a depression on prices as well. Um, but asset prices, you know, have been going up consistently for a long time. Yeah. Sometimes we have little dips in crises and then they just create a shitload of money and try and like save the market, right? Which is what they did in March last year um, or in the financial crisis in 2008. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the current system is like pump everything up by printing money. Then people think that they're wealthier, they borrow more. Like if you buy a house and it goes up in value by 500 grand, mm. they call it the wealth effect, right? Yeah. It's like, I think I'm worth more money. So I'm going to spend more money. I'm going to borrow more against this, these assets that yeah. I have, etc. Yeah. So that's how they try and like pump things up basically. What that means for cryptocurrency is like everyone knows that governments are going nuts creating money, right? Yeah. And this is an obvious hedge against all of the inflation that's going to occur as a result of this money creation, right? Because, I mean, the stat is something like 40% of all the money that was ever created was created last year. What? Right? So last year they were basically like, oh, you know, the world's fucked. Yeah. Right? Uh everyone's broke, you know, tax revenue from the government's going to fall dramatically. What do we do? Let's just create, you know, $500 billion, a trillion dollars and try and pump that through the financial system to uh, reboot things, basically. Um, And so that's what they did. Um, And also it means that like, you know, I don't want to get to the technical aspect of how this money creation works, but the central banks basically finance the government, right, by buying the government's debt. So they, the central bank creates new money by buying debt in the form of bonds, right? So governments issue bonds, and that's how they raise finances. And the central bank just goes and buys those bonds with money that they created out of nowhere, right? So they just like print a trillion dollars, then buy lots of government debt, and that gives the government the ability to issue more debt, basically. Jesus Um, Christ, basically. You lost me at bond, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, a bond is just a loan that you can trade, Yeah. right? It's like, you know, you have a, a mortgage. What if I could buy your mortgage, as in the right for you to pay me interest... What oh, if yeah. I could buy that off the bank? So, like, say, oh, yeah. CBA offers you a loan. That's a good way to explain I it. can, like, buy that loan, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and that's what, like, how the whole financial crisis happened. They took all these home loans and then they put them into different securities and it made the risks of those home loans much more opaque. Yeah. And then that caused problems down the track, right? So, there's, uh, most debt is tradable, right? Everyone oh. trades everyone else's obligations between each other all the time. Um, and so the central bank basically creates new money and just buys lots of bonds. Yeah. Um, and then that gives the government the ability to spend lots more money, right? So right now the US government deficit is like three and a half trillion a year. So that means that the US debt goes up by three and a half trillion per year, right? Which is massive. Yeah. And the... I would say that probably the biggest buyer of that debt is the U.S. Central Bank. Right? Are you saying from Australia? Or no, is no. This America? 
in, in America. Okay. Yeah. We have a similar situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But America is like the... I thought you just fucking explained to me that America owns Australia somehow through this crazy banking No, scam. no, no, no. I mean... All right, cool. Yeah, it's, it's more like uh, the... It's just like the central bank in America and Australia just create new money yeah. and they buy government debt so the government can keep just torching yeah, yeah, yeah. all this money, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what used to be kind of like... That, you know, there's been these people for decades, they call them gold bugs, who are basically really cynical about um, the fiat money system. And they're like, well, I'm going to own gold. So if oh, yeah. money gets inflated and devalued, my value of my gold will just go up in mm -hmm. dollar terms, right? Yeah. So that's like a way of protecting their wealth. It's actually a really bad way of protecting your wealth. You're better off owning stocks or, you know, income generating assets. Yeah. But put that to one side. The gold bug thing was generally for like, you know, slightly conspiratorial libertarian kind yeah. of uh, people who like, you know, they don't trust banks. They're going to bury their wealth in gold in like yeah, their yeah. backyard. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. when the federal government comes to like steal their guns or whatever that, you know, there's sort of that sort of thing, right? And then, you know, in the financial crisis and also because of COVID, it's become really clear that actually those people were making a lot of sense and they've been proven right in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and that is why like uh, the crypto thing has got a lot of attention in the last two years from a tier or a class of investors that previously we thought it would be a decade before they start buying this stuff, right? Like, you know, there's lots of like different categories of investors there's like the average punter mom and dad you know they call yeah, them yeah. retail investors yeah then there's like family offices which is like really wealthy people basically have like their own little investment company yeah that like manages their wealth then you got hedge funds that basically do whatever they want mm -hmm. um and then above that you've got like pension funds which is like a super fund mm. right that everyone is invested in in some way. And these are massive yeah. funds with tens or hundreds of billions of dollars mm -hmm. under management and insurance companies as well have big investments. And crypto went from like a few hedge funds dabbling in it to like the world's biggest pension funds and insurance companies and wow. these people buying it in like wow. a few months. Right? Wow, dude. And so we thought that would take years and years yeah. Uh, but because all this money creation happened and there was like a renewed cynicism about the fiat system, this was like an obvious solution to that problem. Wow, um, dude. And what it means is that, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies have gone up in value by, you know, 5, 10x in the last 12 months. And gold hasn't really done anything. Right? All of that attention has gone into Bitcoin, right? And uh, it's essentially stealing what used to be gold's role in the financial system as wow. like a way of protecting your wealth. You know, the thing about gold is like, it, like if you're invested in a company, the company can go broke, right? If you own somebody's debt, they can not pay you, mm. right? Um, gold doesn't have anything like that, you know? It's like the risks around gold are... Uh, that fewer people will feel the need to protect their wealth, so they'll sell their gold, right? So it's like a purely speculative asset that can't really fail in an absolute sense. But 
Bitcoin's like the same thing. It's like a, one of the few assets that is not somebody else's liability, right? It's like there's no performance. It's nobody else has to do anything for this asset to not become worthless. That's a kind of weird way of explaining it, but um, in times of panic, <laughs> like... That is a weird way to explain yeah. it. But it's, it's like, good that it's... I get the comparison to gold, kind of. Like, I get yeah. what you mean. It's like, it's not a productive asset. It doesn't do anything, Yeah. right? Um, you know, gold you can use for electronics or whatever, but most of the value, jewelry and whatnot, but most of the value just comes from speculation, investors owning it as like a monetary asset. Yeah. Uh, and Bitcoin has become the same thing really rapidly. And I actually think that there are already countries like nation states that have bought Bitcoin and just haven't said anything, right? Wow. Uh, like China's probably been mining it and like the government has effectively been mining it for, I think, a long time. But if you're like a smaller nation with like a less stable currency that generally loses lots of value every year, it's a relatively, it's a good risk reward sort of bet for a central bank like in Africa or whatever mm. to say, you know, I'm going to put a small amount of our balance sheet, our money in this asset. And if it turns out to be a thing, you know, they'll win big. And uh, if it doesn't turn out to be a thing, they'll lose small, mm. right? So it's like a good asymmetric risk reward. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably already happened. And all, every other kind of investor, you know, pension funds, insurance companies, hedge funds, uh, family offices, literally everyone, you know, retail, have all started to dip their toe into this new asset class, right? Um, and that's why the growth has been astronomical. And now Bitcoin, if you add up the value of all the Bitcoins out there, uh, it's over a trillion dollars. Jesus right? Christ. Lord. When I first looked at the market, it was like eight billion, right? Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. So, um, you know, I remember when it got to 20 billion and you think about how you can sort of justify that valuation. But now people are like, well, you know, all, if you add up the value of all the gold that's been mined, you know, it's like uh, 12 trillion or something. Yeah. And so maybe Bitcoin gets to half of that. Maybe it gets to all of it. Maybe it Doubles overtakes it, it right? Yeah. But that's 10x away. Yeah. You know? Um, and if gold wow. turns, to, turns to shit, you know, Bitcoin probably, you know, in the current environment where the fiat money is so screwed, uh, you know, Bitcoin probably reaches a market cap greater than what gold ever did, you know? Um, the gold people were, were right in the end, yeah. but they were usurped by a better solution, yeah. by technology. Yeah. The beauty about Bitcoin as well is that the use for gold doesn't really change that much over time, but because Bitcoin is software, you can incrementally improve it yeah. over time, right? Wow. And there's all these really smart people working out how to make these crypto technologies you know, uh, faster, more secure, more functional. Um, and so as a long-term investment, do you want to own the inanimate object that doesn't improve over time? Or do you want to own the software that, you know, is, you know, when you look at cryptocurrency as a whole, rapidly evolving. Yeah, yeah, Has yeah. huge amounts of 
really, really smart people and lots of money invested in improving the technology um, and fits perfectly into all of these other technology paradigms that are, you know, independently becoming significant, right? So, you know, whether it's video gaming as entertainment, you know, whether it's uh, financial technologies, um, like all these new fintech companies, uh, for instance, Square, you know, they are big supporters of Bitcoin and, you know, working on that technology as a future solution. You can buy Bitcoin through the Square app and Jack Dorsey, the CEO, is also the CEO of Twitter. He's a big supporter of it, right? They actually bought Bitcoin as a company, just to, as like a bet, right? Yeah. Uh, and so did, you know, uh, Elon Musk bought quite a lot for Tesla. Yeah. Um, like they bought one and a half billion dollars worth, which is now worth about twice that. So they got three Jesus. billion dollars worth. Uh, and all these other uh, fintech companies like PayPal and uh, whatnot are all getting into this space. Even like Visa and MasterCard, uh, you know, they're like the big, some of the biggest payment companies in the world. They're all integrating crypto technology. So it's like nice. when you invest in this space, so you're comparing it to gold, right? There's so much more potential for future utility to be built around this technology than there is like owning gold, which is may become marginally more useful if some different industrial function is found for it uh but it's not very likely what i was going to ask was um uh god damn it the phone fucking thing and then i <laughs> forgot my question no but i was gonna ask um so what you're saying what i'm hearing is yeah for the people out there it's not too late to invest in crypto if anything um look i mean uh i think if you don't own any yes i think it doesn't matter. Let me break something to you. I do not own any. Yeah. So should I? Yeah. Look, I think I think um, this is not financial advice, <laughs> right? If you don't own any, I think it's worth investigating putting a small amount of your net worth into this space, right? Um, that's like you know the, the classic advice that people have given over the years is you know, put 1% of your money into it, right? Um, and that way, if it turns out to substantially replace the fiat money system, mm. you've done really well. And if you lose, you're not going to feel it, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, I would say, like, generally speaking, you know, if you bought the top of the last cycle, why is this... Not turning <laughs> off. It's alright, don't worry. Should we introduce some? Um, I feel like my, my switch is fucked. It's alright. Let's introduce Paddy at this second at this moment, shall we? We've sure. got, we got Paddy helping behind the scenes. Does does he have a mic? Yeah, you can say something though. You'll you'll get picked up. What? By the camera. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> are you learning a lot or you already knew everything? Mate, this guy this guy's been on top of it for years. Always learning. Paddy, Paddy is an expert. He is an expert, eh? Yeah. I should have had him on the, on the freaking, on this side of the camera. There's always something to learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing that I have said so far would be news to Paddy. 
Wow. Yeah. Look he, at that. He knows his... He knows his, his stuff. Yeah. Look at him. Good on you, Paddy. Yeah. I need to get involved. Well, that's the thing. If, if, if you had bought the top of the last cycle, like if you bought at the worst possible time in 2017, fast forward to today and you'd be up over 100%, right? Wow. In the meantime, you would have lost 80%, you know? Yeah. So you buy, <laughs> yeah. buy at the top, it goes down 80%. But if you don't sell, yeah. then, you know, now you'd be making money again. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're at the top of this cycle because the reality is all these like big investors... They've only just dipped the toe in, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, even though there's a lot of retail interest in it, and generally that's considered bearish if, like, a whole lot of unsophisticated retail investors pump up an asset. Yeah. Generally, it's like, oh, it's a bubble, it's going to crash, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm fine with that this time because I know that institutions want to own this asset and... Few of them do, and the ones that do only have a very small amount. Wow. And so I think there's a lot more to go in terms of institutional buying, um, like a lot more, you know, more That's incredible. orders of magnitude more. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Of, so it's not too late. I, really. I don't think it's too late. I think it's, uh, when you look at the technology and what it's capable of, it's still very, very early, right? Wow. That's one thing you have to keep in mind. Like, actually, the technology, the capability of the technology is not fantastic right but so what do you mean by that like what capability does this technology need to have how does it like scalability is a big thing so right now the networks are not scalable which means that the total transactional capacity you know visa can do 50,000 transactions a second yeah you know it's yeah, all yeah. computer systems yeah 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 right uh they can do 50,000 a second or something like that. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin can do like 10. Yeah. Right? Uh, and it's because of the way that it's built, it's very difficult to scale these technologies and maintain the properties of, you know, decentralization, which is what allows, what makes these technologies unique is that they're not controlled by a central party. Nobody has the ability to say, you can't do that transaction I'm going to freeze your account, yeah. blah, 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 right? You know, the government can't arbitrarily change or block transactions or account balances yeah. or anything like this, right? That's, That's why you can use it for illegal activity Yeah, because All right, so it's decentralized. Because it's decentralized, it makes it hard to scale the technology, yeah. right, in like a roundabout way. But uh, so that's an issue. There are a whole lot of other ways of looking at the capability yeah, of the technology. Well that, well, that makes sense. I get what um, you mean now by that. Yeah. It's funny to think that the existing system has capabilities, like the tech is, is bound by the capabilities of our current technology. You know what I mean? Like Visa doing 50,000 transactions a second. Yeah. It's just funny to think that like, what's the difference between that and Bitcoin? Well, yeah, I mean, the the... When you just have one company controlling everything, it's easier to build right, massive capacity, yeah, yeah, right? Of um, but when you distribute the system, like I can run a Bitcoin node on my computer, right, yeah. over a normal internet connection. But if you look at how Visa system works, it's like there's like a they have server racks and a data center, and uh, everything's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. hooked up at like an industrial level, right? Yeah, um, I get what you're saying. Um, all right, I've got a weird question. Mm. Like, 
it seems like there's a lot of um, mysticism about the creation of Bitcoin. Does anyone know who made it and like where it started and what the hell's going on? So we know the pseudonym of the person or people. You know, like people say, oh, you know, maybe Shakespeare was like a group of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So there's an element of that with the creation of Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, Maybe Satoshi Nakamoto is the moniker, right? The Super K. Um, What? The the nickname. Right. They came up with a pseudonym. Yeah. What is it? Satoshi Nakamoto. Shitoshi Nakamoto. Yeah, so it's like a Japanese name, yeah. but the person most likely was American. At least that's what some evidence suggests. Well, right? so no one uh, knows. So nobody knows who it is. Um, there, the speculation is basically maybe it's a. It's all the core technology is like cryptography, right? So the sub, the person that created it knew about cryptography. They're a computer scientist. They're a Decent-ish programmer, not that great, right? Because we would see the source code. It's all open source. Yeah. So we know how well engineered the first version was, yeah. right? You get clues about someone's capability from the code, right? Yeah. Uh, and So we're living in the matrix. It, it could yeah. be this guy, Hal Finney, who was a uh, uh, computer scientist and um, had like, cryptography expertise yeah and he is has died i think in 2011 something like that uh people speculate that it's this guy who's alive nick zabo um who invented a similar ish technology that didn't quite tick all the boxes for he sort of created a precursor to Bitcoin. There were a few precursors to Bitcoin yeah. that didn't really work because they had various flaws. Uh, or it could be uh, someone that we don't really know well. It could even have been come out of the government, right? Yeah. You know, the NSA could have created Bitcoin. Dude, right? what a conspiracy. Like, yeah, you know, the, the Chinese could have created it to undermine the US dollar. Like any... There's, any range wow. of possibilities, right? Um, yeah. But uh, no, nobody knows who it is. And they own a million Bitcoin, basically. Um, because that was like mined in the early days. Yeah. Uh, by the creator. Uh, wow. You know, this guy... Um, uh, a billion Bitcoin. This Aussie, this Aussie guy who was like an academic computer scientist came out and said that he was the creator of Bitcoin. But... Um, he, he was basically trying to scam people. Yeah, uh, I'm probably going to get a lawsuit for saying that. But, really? Uh, he, he, he loves to sue people. Loves to sue uh, people. Well, if this podcast yeah. gets that far so that he hears it, then <laughs> no, I'll, he's probably, at he's least probably I'll be happy, some, Luke. He's probably got some algorithm that like crawls the internet looking for people sledging him yeah. so he can like, automatically start <laughs> subpoena you or whatever. Well, you better not get this pod taken down, dude. Getting cancelled episode 7 is not a good sign. Yeah. No, don't, don't worry. If he attacks you, you'll get lots of support from the yeah, community. So it's, you'll be rich. Someone will just send you money for no, for no reason. <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah. sounds They'll be like, oh, you need to fund your defence? Like Here's a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Um, Pat, like... Is there anything you you're burning to you know ask over there? Uh, nothing comes to mind right now. <laughs> I mean, Do you still know all of this? Yeah, I think I know most of it. Uh, the 
we're not we're not breaking much new ground we're here. Like, you know, did you know about did you know about Nick Stevens? Nick well, first, yeah, like did you know all that? Did you know all this? Bro, am I, the I told o- you, Paddy. Am I the only one on earth that no, doesn't no, no, know no. this? Pa- Paddy, Paddy has a high base of knowledge. Don't underestimate. Well, it depends how much they know. Funnily enough, I, I'm, I'm consistently impressed now with the average person's knowledge. Really? Because three years ago, nobody knew anything. Yeah. And now, you know, I'll just like meet someone that I've never met before. And, you know, somehow the conversation will come to crypto. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm like... Uh, you know, I've got like wrapped Bitcoin in Aave. I'm earning interest on my wrapped Bitcoin. I'm like, that's extremely impressive that like, you, you know, no this random yeah, person, yeah. you know, is taking his Bitcoin, getting it like reissued on Ethereum and then lending it out on like a decentralized lending platform. Like average people are doing stuff like, you know, younger people that are a bit more technically inclined. Yeah. But like people are doing that en masse, right? Um, and so, you know, those technologies didn't exist. Like we were investing in the very first iterations of these decentralized finance technologies before they had even launched, right? So in like late 2017, 2018, uh, we invested in MakerDAO when it was like the very, very first iteration of that project, uh, and that was like the only financial product that had been built on Ethereum, which is this crypto network. And subsequently, a whole bunch of things launched kind of in 2018 and 2019. But now, like average people are interacting with these technologies, you know, uh, and that massively outperformed my expectations for its adoption, right? Um, happened way faster reached a much broader audience because I, I was always a bit cynical because the technology was so limited in particular ways that yeah. I was like, well, nobody's ever going to pay a $20 fee to do a trade on Uniswap or whatever. And now that happens, you know, 50,000 times a day, yeah. 100,000 times a day or more. Um, and that, yeah. So there's a lot of... Uh, rapid expansion of the broad knowledge. That's the beauty of the internet. You know, people can learn things really quickly. And like, because, you know, people have been bored, stuck at home, a lot of people's attention has gone into like investing in different things, right? Like they said, the retail trader boom, like, you know, like GameStop and all this yeah, stuff, yeah, like Robin yeah, Hood yeah. in America. Yeah, yeah. That was basically like, you know, millions of bored 20 to 30 year olds. Yeah. Too like, much time on their hands. Too much time on their hands. They're not, they're still working. They're just working from home. Yeah. So they're probably saving money. Yeah. Because right? they're not, you know, out partying or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, that just like drew so much interest into stocks. And then you got like people who'd never bought a stock before suddenly trading options and all this stuff. And like the knowledge of the internet just, you know, people are probably risking more and doing things that they shouldn't be doing based on their level of knowledge yeah but everyone needs to start somewhere right and i think the knowledge does build over time and so there's been this huge appetite for 
working out how to invest your money. And this crypto was just like in the right place at the right time to get a lot of that attention. And I think young people have an affinity to it because especially in America where like the banking system is so terrible. Yeah. Um, like for me to like send you money from bank to bank is like doing like a wire transfer costs you like 20 bucks and takes two days or something. Here it's like much better because we have like the MPP pay ID. I can send your phone number yeah, money yeah, yeah. through banks. But everywhere, I fucking hate that. everyone over there uses Venmo and Square and all these things yeah. because the banks suck so much. Mm. Um, and yeah, so see, it's funny like putting it in that context that, yeah. like I always think about it in Australian terms and I'm like it's not that hard to fucking change money it's like if, dude our yeah. b- banking system is so much better from like a consumer use yeah functionality standpoint our b- banking system is massively better than America wow right? yeah um, well it seems that way because I don't even think yeah. about it really ever like I, yeah. I rarely have an issue with like because we have a much more consolidated system we have four banks when they create a new payment network, they all basically chip in and own the network between each other. Um, in America, it's like much more fragmented and there are like islands of uh, like different sort of sections of the network that are not hooked up together properly. Yeah. Uh, and it makes everything super clunky and expensive. Um, wow. Yeah. But, you know, in America and like other countries where they don't have banking, financial products, emerging markets and whatnot, uh, they all love crypto, you know, because all you need is a smartphone and you can send money anywhere in the world with no intermediaries. Um, Yeah. And, you know, they're, you know, as an investment, it's performed really well. So it has a self, a positive feedback loop, right, uh, that drives more interest. Paddy had a question like 20 minutes ago. Uh, what? what do you reckon about the environmental concerns with Bitcoin mining? So, <laughs> <laughs> so Paddy uh, said, what do you think about this, the environmental concerns? This is, this is concerns? what we call in Australia a Dorothy Dixer, uh, this question, because he knows exactly what my, my view is. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, what do I think about the environmental concerns yeah. around Bitcoin mining? Basically, Bitcoin mining is a hugely energy-intensive process, right? Because basically people buy, they're called ASICs, Application Specific Integrated Circuit, which is a specific kind of chip yeah. that has been designed to do nothing but mine Bitcoin, right? That's, it's not the making of the chips, but it's the fact that people, you know, if I want to start a mining business, right, yeah. I'll basically buy 10,000 of these little computers yeah. and I'll put them all in racks and then they consume a lot of electricity mining Bitcoin, yeah. right? And so I think right now Bitcoin mining in its totality consumes the same amount of electricity as like... Is it like Holland? What, what country are we up to now? It's going up all the time, right? So it's like originally it was like, you know, it consumes the same amount of electricity as like Barbados or like Mauritius or something. And then it was like, uh, you know, Hong Kong. And now it's like we're in that kind of middle, you know, population of 30 to 50 million kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, I think it's New Zealand. We've overtaken the energy consumption of New Zealand, Jeez. Uh, all these kinds of things. So obviously people are like, well, you know, greenhouse gases, blah, blah, blah. 
CO2. And the concern is legitimate, right? Because a percentage of that electricity is supplied via coal or whatever dirty sources. But it's much, it's becoming less of a problem over time, right? And there's a really powerful dynamic that over time will drive all, I mean, all energy production in the fullness of time is going to be renewable anyway, yeah. right? This is like a, a, a certainty now, yeah, right? Yeah, Already, like, solar panels and wind farms produce cheaper electricity than coal power plants, yeah, right? That, that we crossed that threshold a few years ago, yeah, right? Like, if you look at, you get, like, a chart up of the dollar per kilowatt hour pricing of solar panels, and it's basically, like, a shit falling from heaven. Like, it's just cratering, right? And all these, like, optimizations into, like, wind farming, like, yeah. just, like, small changes to, like, the blade designs and stuff create massive efficiencies. Yeah. They work out better places to put them. Yeah. They have all these different technologies. All, like, the renewable stuff, you know, everything will be renewable in, I think, a surprisingly short amount of time. You know, India and China and whatever will, you know, they build so much infrastructure around coal yeah. that it takes time to... You don't just want to knock all those things down and rebuild them, that rebuild wind farms and solar. Yeah. You want to kind of run these, these power plants down through their useful life and then build something better the next time. Yeah. Right? That's kind of the, how they'll do it. But uh, anyways, all energy is going to be renewable anyway. So you know, in the fullness of time, there will be no CO2 impact from Bitcoin, or it'll be very small, right? Mm. But already, Bitcoin mining is hugely biased to certain renewable sources. And there's a really good reason for this, which is that if I build a hydro dam yeah. power station, yeah. I have to build that in a very specific place, yes. right? Where there's a big flow of water, yeah. right? That specific place is not going to be necessarily proximate to big sources of demand, yeah. cities, yeah. industrial, whatever. So what happens when people build these hydro power plants or like geothermal electricity yeah. or whatever, you end up with a massive surplus of electricity because you've had to build that stuff in really specific places. Yeah. And it's not necessarily next to demand. Yes. And you can build transmission lines, but, uh, you know, there's like a cost to that and you get attenuation. Yeah, so electricity. They, they lose efficiency exactly. over yeah, yeah. certain distances. Yeah, um, yeah. But what that means is that electricity next to a hydro plant is basically free. Right. Right. Because electricity is all yeah, market yeah, yeah, yeah. pricing. Yeah. And what you basically have is a massive generation source and not much demand around it. So you get huge surplus of uh, energy production, yeah. which means the price is almost approaching zero, right? So if you're a Bitcoin miner, your costs are buying the chips and paying for electricity, yeah. right? Uh, Bitcoin mining is hugely competitive. So you will build the miners next to the cheapest sources of electricity. Yeah. All of those are renewable, yes. right? Yeah. So there's a few places that like are really big for crypto mining that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Iceland, I would have thought that. yeah, 
right? Georgia, the country, right? Yeah, so Georgia is like a, like near like a Armenia, and it's like south of Russia before Turkey. There's like a bunch of countries in that part of the world, and they basically have lots of hydro dams. So there's lots of Bitcoin mining there. Canada, lots of hydro dams, lots of Bitcoin mining there. There are a whole bunch of uh, publicly listed mining companies that trade on the stock exchange. 100% of their production is hydro. sourced by renewables. Not always hydro, like, oh, right. like Sweden and stuff. Like there's a whole bunch of like wind and whatnot that gets used. Yeah. The other thing they do now in America is like where they have these natural gas wells. Natural gas has to flow at a particular pressure in order for it to be commercially viable, yeah, right? And sometimes you'll build a well, it'll flow at a commercial rate for a period of time and then you lose some pressure. Mm. And there's still gas there, but it's not quite high pressure enough to make it commercial, right? Yeah. And so what they do is they basically build a Bitcoin mining rig next to the well and use that gas that would sort of otherwise be wasted or not used, right? Yeah. Um, so right now, Bitcoin mining is basically hugely you can build a bitcoin mine wherever you want in the world yeah. hugely remote places yeah because all you need is a electricity source yeah. and an internet connection yeah. and internet connections can be established anywhere yeah right um, i didn't know that but yeah well yeah i mean you know via satellite yeah, yeah you okay. can have an internet connection anywhere usually there's 4g so you know cellular connectivity like you know i've been to the Rossawa region of the Himalayas and Nepal and there's cell connectivity there. Really? But I've been right? to like fucking Lake St. Clair in Australia and there wasn't <laughs> yeah, fucking... So Australia is so a unique like, what the hell's going there. on here? We just, have, we just have terrible cellular networks. But, uh, yeah. you know, generally speaking, there's networks around, right? Um, so you can build them basically wherever you want yeah. and uh, you just build them where the electricity's cheapest. And that's almost always next to a renewable energy source. It's so amazing. Um, how, like, it's very poetic, Lou. Think, think. How, like, the Matrix is going to take over soon. Like, we've got these beautiful natural sources of power. Then we've yeah. got, like, we've got a hydro plant there making electricity. And next to that, another little mm -hmm. bit of technology that's going to eventually, like, take over the space. <laughs> and then that's going to, like, power the uh, Earth and it makes all our money. All next to these, like, massive, like, waterfalls and cool, like, it is, yeah, when you put it that way, uh, it is poetic. Um, yeah, ultimately, in time, probably the, the method of Bitcoin mining will change in a way that it doesn't require all this computing, all this energy consumption, all these chips. You know, there are other crypto networks that have a different system called proof of stake, where you don't need to do any of that stuff. Right, so there's very little energy consumption, and they have a different mechanism for creating new currency, validating transactions, and whatnot. Um, so there's already alternative technologies that negate the need for so much electricity consumption. But there's also benefits to Bitcoin's design that you have to consider. That are advantages, but that stuff gets really technical. Of like, what's better, proof of work or proof of stake? Uh, but that. Do you know that? Proof of work, proof of yeah. stake. Bitcoin's got proof of work. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to stump Patty. You're not going to. You're not going to. You can press me today, bro. You haven't said a word. You can press me the most. I can't mess it. 
Well, he's invested. He should know. Yeah, you know, you've got to... So I think I think what's what is an interesting concept about you brought up the matrix. Um, so now Elon Musk is a supporter of Bitcoin, mm. bought a bunch for Tesla. Yeah. You got to remember as well, Elon Musk co-founded PayPal. So the guy knows about payment systems, right? PayPal didn't invest, but that they're, they're like. Integrating the technology, oh, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, Square invested, Tesla invested. You know, this company MicroStrategy has this crazy strategy of borrowing money and then buying Bitcoin with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, there's lots of you know, uh, what, yeah. There's a there's a bunch of public companies that have bought it basically. Um, but anyway, go but, back to the Matrix point. Yeah. So Elon. Uh, you know, obviously runs SpaceX as well, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's going to go to Mars. He's going to make off-planet, you know, civilizations. What currency do you think we're going to be using <laughs> in Mars or yeah. off-planet, right? Do you think we'll use US dollars on Mars? You're you know? a smart man, Lord. Or do you think, you know, the guy who's already bought Bitcoin and... Uh, you know, and is taking, taking us, us there. Mars, yeah. You know, what's going to be? Why would you use a terrestrial money system in an interplanetary world? Right. Obviously, Jesus. we're going to use cryptocurrency. Um, and so, I think if whenever you look at like a frontier of modern technology that involves money. And generally speaking, all of the frontiers do in some way. I think increasingly you'll see the default will be to adopt this technology. If not primarily, uh, like, or like, you know, if not exclusively, then as like an option. You know, it's so like in-game currency, you know, VR worlds, all this sort of thing. When we start getting into the matrix there, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, it's tomorrow. basically here, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like... Uh, I think all of those, there's a massive incentive as well for these game developers. You get, like, you might think, oh, you know, video gaming, how relevant of an example is that? It's the biggest entertainment industry in yeah, the world now. Yeah, you mentioned now, it right? earlier. You mentioned earlier um, video gaming as entertainment. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's bigger than movies, music. It's the biggest thing by far now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's the biggest entertainment industry. People are going to be spending more and more time, more bigger percentage of their day in these worlds, right? Mm. You know, eventually some people who, you know, it's probably not healthy, but they will basically primarily live in these worlds, <laughs> right? Because, yeah, like, but, you know, people, 100%, like... People, people play WoW, World of Warcraft, for, like, three days straight, I was about to right? say that. Yeah. yeah. 100%. There's people that already live in the video game world. Yeah. They just don't have the headset on. Yeah. Yeah, Patty brought up Second Life. Yeah. People living, yeah, people living a regular second life is in a video game, in a life, in life. Paddy's an expert on second life and all things money laundering. I yeah, mean, yeah. anti-money laundering. Anti-money anti laundering, <laughs> anti-money laundering. Anti -money laundering. Um, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Jeez, all right, should we, should we get into non-fungies? Non-fungies. Because it's a new thing that's been thrown around. Yeah. I've heard it at the bar last night when we were getting pissed. People were talking oh, about Oh, really? It. Yeah, dude. At Chop House, there no. was non-fungie talk, or no, pre-Chop at, um, House. At, at uh, Flynn's. Flynn. The Flynn. Yeah. At the nice. Flynn, there was some non-fungie talk. I was like, I can't believe this. But they were bankers. Yeah. It's probably a good sign. Anyway, tell me about it. I don't know. Tell me about it like I don't know a goddamn thing. Yeah. So money, money is fungible, right? If you get two $5 notes, <laughs> they're the and, same thing. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Start. Go. Um, so, you know, money is fungible. Bitcoin is... Okay. An expert might disagree with me, but Bitcoin is fungible. Yeah. Ethereum is fungible. Monero. These are all cryptocurrencies, right? Yeah. They're all fungible assets. Your Bitcoin's the same as my Bitcoin. Yeah. It's all the same shit, right? Yeah. There are, you know, hundreds of these different fungible assets that are effectively like currency. Yeah. Right? Um, or, you know, again, experts will disagree. That's really interesting. Or nitpick on these things, right? Yeah. But uh, a non-fungible token is basically a crypto asset that is unique, Right, so rather than it being the same as a whole class of asset, right, your bitcoin's the same as my bitcoin. What if my bitcoin's, you know, the only pink bitcoin, yeah. right? So that's kind of what a, a non-fungible token is: just a crypto asset, a digital asset that is unique. And so what people have been doing is saying, well you know, this property of unique crypto assets, how can that be applied to a whole lot of different use cases, right? So here's a one that you probably haven't heard of, a use case that I think is easier to understand than the art stuff, right? What if you had a non-fungible token that represented you as an individual, right? So it's your digital identity is effectively represented in a non-fungible token. So you can, uh, you know, if you're interacting with different crypto systems, borrowing, lending, trading, or whatever, you can identify yourself through, you know, ownership of this non-fungible token, which you can then send around to different accounts if you want, right? It can, it can represent any individual, any individual thing, right? But people are like, well, we can apply it to all sorts of digital goods, right? To trading cards, you know, this NBA Top Shots is a big thing. There are already other, like, trading cards that are basically like each card is unique, Mm -hmm. right some are more valuable than others in a collectible sort of sense right like the lebron james dunk is like you know more valuable than like the third string utah jazz yeah <laughs> like player right yeah um and so you know where people like had these different games where you would like trade cards and do whatever Right, it's basically creating a a new dimension of scarcity around these assets or around these cards, right? These digital goods, because before you can just cre arbitrarily create them. Yeah. 
right? If you're the owner of NBA Top Shots, the game, you can arbitrarily create them, much like fiat money. Yeah. But now you can set rules, right? And then only a certain number of these things are created and they're digitally scarce, yeah. right? And so they can, and they can trade really easily between people yeah. in a transparent way. And so the transparency and liquidity makes them more valuable. They're like scarce, transparent, and liquid. So they're like easily transported. I can, if Patty was in Siberia right now, you know, we could trade these cards, you know, digitally, yeah. it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Um, and so it's like a global market of trading for these scarce digital items, right? Yeah. And then people have thought, well, you know, we can use it as like a sort of copyright tool for art, right? So it's like I can represent the ownership of a digital art with one of these. All art pieces, well, most art pieces are unique, Yeah. right? Yeah. So in order to represent ownership of that art piece with the crypto asset, you would need a unique token. That's why a non-fungible token is a useful paradigm for attaching, you know, basically digital rights for, uh, you know, different art, right? Um, so people create, a, you know, animation or like a graphic or whatever, sell it as digital art and the person buys the NFT. Yes. They then own the NFT and that represents ownership of the art. Now, if you're an artist, a digital artist, you control your own work. You control the copyright, you control everything. The platform in which it gets distributed, right? If you're creating digital art and selling it, you can create digital art and sell it once, uh, the traditional way. Someone buys it and then maybe they on-sell it if they want. Um, or you can do the NFT thing sell the NFT online and there are basically systems where every time that artwork trades again in the secondary market, so I'm the artist, I sell it to you and then two years later you sell it to Patty for twice as much, I get 10% of that secondary sale. Wow. Right? So it's like built into the system to pay the artist every time the art trades a second time or a third time or a fourth time, they get 10% of the price, no matter what the price is. You know, the price could be a thousand times higher, wow. right? Uh, and so if you're an artist, you control how your work is distributed. It's an obviously better choice for you, yeah. right? Do I sell it once or do I get a clip of every secondary trade of this thing, yeah. right? So artists will gravitate naturally to this solution because it's economically better for them, right? It's absurd to think that artists have the wherewithal to know to do that. That's absurd. The, you know, the thing is that the it works particularly well with digital art. Yeah. And digital artists are going to be naturally more technically capable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not going to be some 70-year-old guy doing oil paintings, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, you know, as I said, consistently surprised with how quickly the... You know, yeah, knowledge yeah. spreads, right? Yeah, yeah, and this, yeah. all this stuff is reasonably easy to use as well, right? Like, it's not as easy as like our consumer apps that are yeah. honed to perfection yeah. by designers and whatnot. 
this is all a bit more clunky, but it's yeah. not that bad, right? And yeah. people can wrap their heads around it. Um, so the art thing is like, that's one use case. And right now it's like, there's basically a massive bubble in NFT art. These are like, the thing is that even the shittest NFT art has risen in value substantially yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. as a result of all of this interest. And that to me is nonsensical, right? Yeah. Art is not, should not be worth more because of the technology used to manage its copyright. Yeah. You know, like that should yeah, not yeah, be relevant yeah, yeah, at yeah, all, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And nor will it be relevant in the fullness of time. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, yeah. Very good. So your shitty NFT that looks like trash yeah. in time will be worthless. Yes. Right? And the thing is about NFTs is that there's no nothing capping the supply of new artwork. Yeah. Right? I could draw a squiggle, yeah. scan it, upload it to one of these things and be like, buy my NFT, right? Yeah. People do that. Um, and so, you know, there'll be a big crash in this market and uh, then you'll start to see some more of the interesting use cases. There's so many different things that will be able to be done. I'm not an expert on NFTs. Like, I, there are people that... It's something that I've been very skeptical about from the beginning. You know, it's like I gave you that identity example. Like, there are ways of doing that that don't require NFTs, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, probably is. Um, the, you know, the whole thing about, like, stamping an artwork with an NFT and selling it, like, you know, the classic cynical thing that people say is, well, I can just screenshot your NFT art, then I've got a copy of it, yeah. right? That's totally true. You know, yeah. you can... You can you can steal, yeah, you can steal NFT image. art. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't stop reproduction of the actual digital image. What it stops is reproduction of the ownership rights, yeah. which is a sort of novel and weird concept. Yeah, but no, like, I understand it, I get it. Um, you know, it's... Yeah, because it, no, it's a really good point because if you do just compare it to regular kind of physical artworks, mm -hmm. it's like, bro, a thousand artists are capable of painting a painting similar to the that looks exactly the same as the Mona yeah. Lisa. Yeah. But the Mona Lisa is in the Louvre. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's yeah. just like the ownership is the main kind of ownership deal. It's, it's, it's like the record of provenance. Yeah. Right? Like if you go into Sotheby's and, you know, look at some crazy artwork that's getting auctioned off for a million pounds or whatever. Yeah. Right? The, the most important thing is not the painting, it's the provenance, right? Is this the real thing? Yeah, yeah, of right? course. Is everything, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Because as you said, people copy art. There are these companies, right? All they do is analyze artwork to work out if it's real or not. And they go yeah. through all these crazy like chemical processes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's like forensics, basically. Yeah, yeah, without... To work out... breaking, ruining the painting. Yeah, exactly, absurd. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that... The issue of like verifying art and its provenance, that is what has the value, right? Yes. And so the NFT is just that in a really simple and elegant solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? And so... It's amazing yeah. to think that all of these kind of crypto, this, this crypto world is just someone or like, you know, a group of people or something to solve the issues that are kind of that make themselves clear in, in our physical world. Yeah. That's so crazy. And you know what? The, this technology was not created to, you know, 
solve provenance in art. It's a generic technology which right. has been applied to this use case. Right. Right. Cryptocurrency in general is a generic technology that's been applied to these weird use cases. Really? That, you know, are enabled. Well, I mean, it's what, like... What is cryptology? You brought crypt what was it that you said before? Cryptography. Cryptography. Yeah. So cryptography is just uh, the discipline of uh, code creation, right? So how can I send you a message that you can understand but Patty can't, right? So generally speaking, it was used in a military context, right? right. That, As everything always is. You know, uh, I need to be able to send secret messages to people, yeah. right? So back in, I don't actually have any historical ancient examples, but yeah. I know that they exist where basically you would write out the message, uh, encode it in a way that if you applied a specific rule to the yeah, gibberish yeah. that it turns I, I get, into, yeah, yeah, get the you get yeah, the get message the back, right? And so in the Second World War, the Germans came up with the Enigma machine, right? Have you seen that movie... Uh, with Benedict Cumberpatch, no, no, no. the imitation game. Maybe. So it was a good movie. You should watch it. So the Germans came up with a machine that yeah. would take orders that would be transmitted over radio mm. and encrypt them, yeah. encode them, yeah. right? And uh, it was basically like a mechanical computer, right, that would uh, – take a message, apply a certain rule, turn it into gibberish, yeah. and then they'd send out the gibberish, and then the people would, with their Enigma machine, be able to decode it, yeah. right? And the British ended up, they basically invented the first computer to break the encryption, right? Wow. Uh, and that's what, um, you know, uh, was a significant factor in turning the war was the breaking of the Enigma code. Wow. Um, and so encryption now is all basically complex math that yeah, is yeah. used to turn plain text messages into gibberish that are basically impossible to break, yeah. right? Like um, there are always like flaws and things found in different encryption algorithms that uh, maybe governments know of, but they don't tell people so they can kind of use them when they want to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but generally speaking, encryption is like really strong now. Yeah. Um, and that's why like Peter Dutton and whatever politicians are like, Apple's got to let us into the phones because we can't get into the phones unless they create some backdoor in because yeah, they yeah. can't get past the encryption. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so cryptography is just, uh, you know, the discipline of, encoding messages so they can't be read by other people. Wow. But it became useful in, in uh, cryptocurrency yeah. uh, for totally different reasons. It's mostly around um, basically, you know, it gets super technical. I don't no, think we really want to delve in it, but it's basically like verifying the transactions are valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and controlling the ability how how can you send money that you own but i can't send your money that's all done with encryption with bitcoin right okay. it's done with encryption with banking right yeah, yeah all that shit is based on encryption paypal is all just encryption visa yeah. are like the world leaders in you know specific part 
sub-disciplines of encryption. Yeah. All that banking, finance, everything is, you know, rats to, like, spend money, um, push transactions out, pull transactions. All of those rights are managed through cryptography. Wow. And identity, fraud prevention, they're all just different f forms of cryptography. So it's a massive discipline in general. Um, wow. And, you know, every time you access a website... It's a HTTPS is an encrypted connection, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Wow. That's your encryption for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, where are we at, Pat? Where are we at? I, I think yeah. it's, it's beer o'clock. Can, uh, can I request a beer from young Patty? Absolutely. We're at a minute 12 and 36 seconds. A minute 12. <laughs> We're at one minute 12 in. What is that, an hour and 12 uh, minutes? Asahi? Asahi? I'll get a beer. I'll just have the same, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many Asahis there are. Oh, like, whatever. If, yeah, uh, there, are, there are many beers yeah, yeah. of different sorts. Um, we covered a lot there, Loom. We did. Did we? Well, I mean, it's all pretty like, basic I, stuff. I learned a lot. Yeah. Like, I didn't know any of that. Well, then. I mean, you, they, they call it a rabbit hole because once you start yeah. delving into it... Um, you know, the good thing is, you know, with investing in general... If you buy a small amount of something, you create the incentive to research it more. Yeah. So I reckon if you just bought some Bitcoin and some Ethereum or whatever, just because you own it, you become interested in it. You yeah. Know? Um, and so that's what drives like people's rapid advancement of knowledge. That's why Patty knows yeah. so much. Yeah. Because he's, he's invested, right? I um, think I might have to do the same. I think I'm going to do the same. I think, you know, even as just like a... You're interested in technology in general, engineering, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, the way that you like, broke it down, it just it definitely sparked my interest. It's just so interesting how it's got its it's it's got its roots in so many different parts of just like Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Different industries and different weird like the 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 um energy creation problem yeah. and like you know what i mean like the backing yeah, of the gold yeah it's so yeah. crazy yeah so yeah you've convinced me that it's definitely going to be the next thing well i mean it's a thing now yeah you know uh, it's a big thing now as well like yeah. a trillion dollars is not a small yeah i know i mean the next only thing it's the next gold <laughs> um should we do shout outs do you want to do a shout out do you want to do your instagram or something like that or like what that you're really uh, you can follow me on twitter oh yeah follow yeah. loom on twitter uh, what is it? We'll put it in the description though, but as well. Yeah. Just put, put it in the, the show notes, as yeah, they call it. Yeah. Uh, what about the FTX Oh yeah, I'll put that in as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna trade high leverage crypto, you, I got, I got the hookup. Cheers, lad. You can save money on fees. Um, we haven't even talked about aliens though. Yeah, bro. Like, we can. Do you wanna talk about aliens? We got aliens. We just talked about, we, about we just aliens. Beer. We did. <laughs> Oh. That, that marks that marks the uh, beginning of the alien chat, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you want to talk about aliens? Tell me about aliens. They're here, from what I hear. From what I hear, like what? Do, what have you heard? Well, Tell me what you've heard, Andre. What do you mean? What have you heard? I've just heard that, like, you know, the information has been unclassified, declassified. What? What information? To the your information knowledge? that we've had, what contact with alien species. That we've we we know, we know of certain different types of species. We've had contact. We've used their technology. 
That hasn't been declassified. But is that the truth? Is that the case? Um, maybe it is. I don't know. Um, well, you tell me what you've heard. Because you seem like you got something in the fucking canon. No, I mean, I don't know anything. Uh, what do you know, Lou? <laughs> what the hell? I only do you know, know what they tell me. What uh, the hell do you? What the hell is he? Does he know? <laughs> Tom Delonge here. Yeah. Tom Delonge, yeah. Um, I. I like how that beer opens like that. Yeah, it's it's a handy feature. If you really want to punch it. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> a cracker. Yeah, so tell me. No, what was uh, declassified, so to speak, was uh, a bunch of. Um, footage from oh yeah about the tic-tac exactly yes. yeah yeah I, I know more than i let on yeah but it's all from just listening to friggin podcasts yeah well yeah that's a what's yeah. wrong with that i don't know <laughs> um yeah apparently like you know there's this thing that's tra- that bends gravity at will and and like how it goes it's like almost teleports it's how fast it is tell me yeah so um there was footage, the US Department of Defense released a bunch of, especially like a thermal camera footage from yeah. uh, usually FA-18 uh, jets. carrier jets, right? Um, and they released like three videos, all of strange objects doing improbable things. Yeah. Right, um, and the one of the pilots that actually witnessed the Tic Tac one, you know, is this guy David Fravor. Yeah, and he's done a bunch of interviews, yeah. including with uh, we'll get him know, on the podcast, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Lex Friedman, a bunch of others. Yeah, so he's actually almost done a weird sort of PR campaign about these <laughs> these things. I mean, obviously, people are coming to him and asking him, yeah, yeah, yeah. to come on. Right. Of course. But he is saying yes. Yeah. Right. And doing these interviews. Um, you know, I don't know if those images show. If you look at the data and assume that all of the data is genuine, I hasn't been faked in any way. Yeah. Basically, there's an object that's caught on radar. Yeah. That's seen traveling at ridiculously high speeds. Yeah. Uh, maneuvering in a way that suggests that it's not using propulsion you know, technology, current technology. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, I, you know, something that David Fravor says is that you know, if humans had created that te- technology ten years ago, we'd know about it today by now, definitely, because it's too valuable to keep under wraps for that long. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I agree with him in the sense that I think that if humans have worked this out, we would know about it. Right? What if we're just so, working it out now? No, because the, the Tic Tac video is from 2004. Oh, shit. Right? Um, so, oh, shit. You know, that's that's 17 years ago. Oh, God damn it, Lou. Right? Uh, that's how God, old we are. God damn it, Lou. Um, so, and, you know, the similar-ish encounters... Uh, referred to by different reliable sources. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so if the data is is genuine, uh, I agree with Fravor when he says that that pretty much, at this point, it has to be out of this world. When he first encountered it, it was possible that it was a human technology. Yeah. There's no way we'd be here 17 years later and not have it out in public, right? Right. So Uh, are the aliens using cryptos? That's my next question. Pat? 
<laughs> Lube? Of course they are. I think that uh, the aliens would be able to break all of our cryptography like that. Yeah. So when we do, you know, like what's it called? The Drake equation basically says that it's a mathematical certainty that there is life elsewhere in the universe, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so when eventually we do meet aliens, and yeah. if they are a sophisticated life form yeah. that's capable of, you know, traveling to us and interacting with us, I think it would be trivial for them to break our cryptography, but <laughs> they'll just have a better solution that they'll give us, right? Uh, yeah. If they're not hostile. Yeah, I reckon they're going to be hostile. If, if they're, I mean, I'd, you know, I don't... Whoever comes, whoever colonizes a new place, not hostile. Come on, dog. Well, if they're already visiting us, I think if they wanted what we had... Yeah, would have taken maybe already. we got nothing for them. I, mean, I think it was uh, what's his name, the uh, scientist guy that does the cosmos and whatnot. Neil deGrasse. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Remember him saying, "Oh, you know, if aliens come here, they're definitely going to destroy us. Like we shouldn't look forward to that prospect of meeting aliens." Oh. I just think that is like so pessimistic. It's not even pessimistic. It's just it's. I think it's illogical. Come on, bro. Right, because I agree with if you. aliens could reach us. They probably already have. Yeah. And uh, if they were going to destroy us, they already would have yeah. taken our shit. Right? The yeah. fact that it hasn't happened already... What if it happens right now? Suggests that, you know... Yeah. We see in yeah, that window are. just fucking... We're well protected here, this close to Woolloomooloo, though. Yes, that's 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 true. <laughs> that is true. We're in view of the neighbourhood. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, hey. That's right. That's right. Um, so what else? Tell me more about So I was going to make a point, right? I was I was going to make a point. I apologize. The government is intentionally. The U.S. government's intentionally put out these videos to pique people's interest, right? Yes. Now. They're either telling the truth in the sense that the data is real, they haven't faked these videos, David Fravor isn't some kind of psyop, yeah. his account is genuine, blah, 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 right? Yeah. If that's the case and the data is real, yeah. there's strong evidence that there's some kind of sophisticated life form among us, right? Yeah. If the data is fake, I think that is... Less interesting, but still a very interesting prospect. Why would the government yeah. be trying to convince people that aliens are a thing? Oh my god! Like what? Loom, what incentive? You've just made this so interesting. What incentive? Right. That, like each part, there are two parts. You're right. And both of them are really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right? That it's is like, so interesting. You know. What are they thinking? What? What? Yeah, because I think it's unlikely. Like, it was funny when you were like, if the data is real, if they're not lying. If they haven't faked it, if the guy's not a sub, I was like, hmm, it's very possible that that is the case. I wouldn't put it past them, is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, would, I would not put that past them. So I'm, I'm not going to name him, but I met this guy who's a, you know, well-known crypto entrepreneur. Yeah. In I met him in San Francisco. Really smart dude. He's Russian, right? Hectic. And we were talking about we were talking about these videos, 
Yeah. Right. These same videos that we're discussing. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. yeah. And, uh, you know, he was basically like, well, you know, it's possible that the government wants you to think that there are aliens. Right. Yeah. Uh, of course, like, this is a guy that grew up in the Soviet Union. Yeah. yeah. He knows, oh, knows a thing or two yeah. about propaganda and psyops and yeah. shit. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the if you look at so like Bill Clinton is like the most establishment, you know, political figure. The Clintons are like super establishment, really like juiced into the intelligence community. Yeah, you know, happy to start wars that you know achieve, you know, whatever weird uh, goals for the military industrial complex. Yeah, this yeah, kind yeah, of thing, right? Yeah. Bill Clinton in interviews on like Jimmy Kimmel and shit like that has yeah. been like, oh, you know, we should open the files, you know, because there's stuff that he's kind of hinted towards it, right? Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, his, there's this group, which uh, Patty actually mentioned, Tom DeLonge is the yeah, yeah. head of this group called To The Stars Academy. Is of the Blink-182? Uh, exactly. Guy? Yeah. This group has like former senior intelligence people as part of it, right? Yeah. When you look at it, so it's funny, this thing actually, they did like a crowdfunding campaign for this company. Yeah. And so they had to file documents with the government being like, this is what we're raising the money for, blah, blah, blah. You read it, it just reads like a scam, right? Like, because I actually read the SEC documents for this, to the stars, academies of arts and science, whatever it is. Go and anyone who's interested in this topic... They probably, if you're interested in the topic, you probably know about this company and Tom DeLonge I and all these people. No, people who are the company, yeah, yeah, but people no who read are, the thing. No, exactly. Nobody's read the thing. Yeah, but yeah. people who are interested in this topic will know Tom DeLonge. Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah, know the yeah, company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll know all this stuff, right? Go and read the SEC document, and they're basically like, we got all these government people. We're going to do a few things. We're going to make media, like Netflix documentaries and shit that gets people interested in aliens, right? We're going to uh, lobby the government for funding to research whether aliens exist or not. Uh, this is They have senior former government people, right? So yeah. they're in a position to do that lobbying. Yeah. Uh, and we're also going to... This is in the document? Yeah. We're also going to investigate their propulsion technology, Right. So they're like, we're going we're gonna to make pro-alien propaganda. Mm. We're going to lobby the government for funding to do research on whether they exist or not. Mm. And we're also going to make anti-gravity spaceships. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 they, yeah. And they're doing a crowdfunding campaign, like a Kickstarter for this, basically. Uh, well, they were trying to. I don't think it succeeded. Um, wow. And all of these people, the advisors, uh, you can look at their financial accounts because they're raising money. And you can see that the company has lost a lot of money, right? Yeah. But it's not cash that they've lost. They basically paid all of these advisors in shares, right? Which you book as a loss. Um, yeah. Uh, and so all of these kind of former government people, or even current government people, I think some of them, uh, maybe not, maybe that's illegal in America, I'm not sure. Um, they all have shares in this company that's trying to create hype about aliens and then get lots of government funding as a result yeah, of that yeah, hype. Yeah, 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 right? that's fine. And you're like, oh, that looks a bit suspicious, right? So that Tom DeLonge and the to the Academies of Arts and Science thing looks sus. Yeah, and like there's right? definitely uh, then 
there is definitely then incentive for the current government to release those videos because especially if they have ties to these sort of companies. Yeah, I, I, you know, there is a tie because there's this guy, what's his name, Luis Selazondro, who was That's su his name, supposedly the ran the, what do they call it, A-tip or something. The, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, he was like the guy that ran the US government program for investigating UFOs. Jesus right? Christ. Um, and he's related to this company. And... Uh, he had some role in these videos coming out, right? Yeah, uh, it's sus. that is sus. It is sus. And so I looked at, there was some documentary or whatever, you know, John Podesta is the guy that like ran the Clinton's campaign, uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign. Yeah. Um, and he's like obviously juiced in with them. He was like interviewed in it being like, you know, we should release the files. So, like, this guy who's, like, the right-hand man of the Clintons is, like, hyping it up. Yeah. The Clintons have kind of hyped it up a bit, right? All these, like, former intelligence people yeah, yeah. are kind of hyping sus. it up. Yeah, yeah. There's this weird economic relationship with this company and Tom DeLonge. God knows what yeah. how he got involved yeah, in all yeah. this. Yeah, What the hell? How did he <laughs> stumble into this yeah. billion-dollar scheme? Um, and so that makes me... That whole thing is, like, a bit... That weird, is sus. Right? That's a great um, little backstory to the whole alien. Yeah, thing. and you can anyone can look it up. Pull that up, Jamie. Yeah. To the stars. Uh, SEC crowdfunding. Find the filing, right? I'll put you know what uh, we're gonna do? We'll put it in the we'll put a link in the description. Fuck yeah. Is if that it, gonna be allowed? If it hasn't been scrubbed by the CIA or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll definitely put a link in the description. You should be able to find a SEC filing for their crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, that'd be it. Um, so just go to use of funds. Uh, Make sure we don't stop recording, Pat. Are we good? I don't. I don't know if the headline will be the header will be exactly use of funds, but that's the the gist. Like, what are we going to do with this money? And you read the that things, and you're just like, "What this in the right. actual fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I need to. I need to use the bathroom, dude. Do you want to jump in while I'm here, Patty? I mean, we can we can do an edit as well, but yeah, jump in, Patty. But I want you to find this thing. Oh yeah, find the thing. Keep talking. Though. But you're you're mic'd up somehow, aren't you, Patty? Yeah, I think I've mic'd up from over there. All right, Loom. <laughs> Loom. See you, Senor. We're back. We're back. Sort of. I don't know when we took the break. Uh, we're talking about. We're talking about the SCC documents. Yes, indeed. From the... Um, to the Stars. To the Academy Stars. Arts and Science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think we worked out basically that they look a bit dodgy. Yeah. Um, and so do aliens exist and are they on Earth or are they not? Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably... The balance of probabilities leans in favour of yes. Wow. Yeah. All right. I guess we decided to... Wrap it up. How do you feel about that? Uh, I, f I feel like that was a productive discussion. I love, I'd love. i love to have you on for a second round. Yeah. And talk purely aliens, if and you want. <laughs> do you want to do that? The alien pod, sure. All right. We'll get Paddy maybe in front of the camera this time. Yeah, we need some more mics. Yeah. Let's get the, the round table discussion yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, things to, the, things to mm. improve on in the future. Do you have any feedback? You're a fucking podcast, you know what I mean? Veteran. Um, 
No, look, this is a it's a pretty solid setup you got here. Yeah. Yeah, camera and all. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, Patty needs a mic. Patty needs yeah. a mic. Yeah. Get a mic for me next time. Yeah. yeah. That's right. that's it. That's it. Fuck yeah. 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 Maybe put, maybe Soul Patty episode next. Maybe. Do you want to do that? Yeah. All right. Heck yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, as usual. What's your outro? <laughs> like the thing. Subscribe to the Spotify. The YouTube, the it's available on all platforms. Yep. You can get your pop. What did you say? The all, all good podcasting yeah. platforms. Um, yeah. But no, if, you know, I'll post it on the Instagram. There'll be links to a lot of Instagram. Stuff that you've fuck talked me. About. That's a. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? This is omni-channel. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll yeah. post links to some of the stuff that Louis was talking about in the description. Share the pod. Look forward to the next one. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, you. Thanks, Loom. I'll catch you soon anyway, everybody. Yep. Sayonara. Yeah.